everyone, and welcome to the NFNL podcast for season 2021. I'm your host, Samuel Zito, and this coming hour, I'll be bringing you everything NFNL related as we look ahead to a massive 2021 season. One, of course, which already got underway on Good Friday, where we had two venues in operation and some great footy played in perfect conditions. A sunny Good Friday with uh, warm conditions overhead and players, well, they're probably a bit sore and tired by the end, but I think everyone was just happy to have football back in the Northern Football Netball League after a 559-day break since we last played footy back in September 2019. In this coming edition of the podcast, we're going to have an in-depth conversation with the CEO of the Northern Football Netball League, Peter McDougall. He'll take us through everything that's been over 2020 and what there is in store for 2021. We'll also have a few other special guests on the program, so sit back and enjoy, and we look forward to bringing you this podcast right throughout the 2021 season. Thanks for your company. Here's the CEO of the Northern Football Netball League, Peter McDougall. Peter, thank you for your time. Obviously, it's a much more positive start to, to 2021 than what we experienced last year. Footy was obviously back on the weekend on Good Friday, 559 days between football matches, if you can believe it. But uh, obviously, it's, uh, it's an enjoyable time now with the, the football back underway and netball obviously uh, ready to start next week. Yeah, thanks, Samuel. Good to be here. And yeah, as you said, 559 days. Jeez, when, you, when you say it like that, it just sounds so long ago. And this is a lot that's obviously happened in between that time. But it is great to be back and it was great to, to get out there on Friday to Altham against St Mary's and then head over to Epping and Thomastown. And the numbers at both venues on Friday was fantastic. It was just good to see people back out and about enjoying good old-fashioned local footy, uh, as they would say. And um, the numbers spoke for themselves. The weather helped. Warm day. Not normal footy conditions in Melbourne, but if you're in the northern states, you might see days like that. But um, it was just great for everyone to be out there in a really good environment and just enjoy the opportunity. It uh, Obviously, it's been a long time between drinks, but it felt like a, a football normal day, didn't it, being out there in amongst with, with the people and obviously the, the games in action. I know there was some concerns for, for some, particularly last year, had we been able to go ahead, but it really was football as we know it in, in many respects. Yeah, no, it was good. And, and COVID restrictions have worked in our favour that uh, what we could have been looking at even two months ago uh, as to what it was on the weekend was very different. Uh, things like no masks and you know, you'd have more people at games from 1,000 to 5,000 and things like that. And even just from relaxing of some protocols, even though we still need to keep promoting the social distancing aspects and hygiene and and doing the right thing but um it was um it was pretty close to normal i think uh, in in the scheme of things which was great you've obviously been involved in in football for you know the best part of or more than two decades through afl victoria and obviously as ceo here at the northern football netball league if we can just rewind and just quickly look back on, on the year that was in 2020 was that the greatest challenge you've experienced in football no doubt um it was it's certainly the most uh, challenging that I've seen in, in my 20 years, probably going back to, I think it was 2008 when uh, the drought was in and, and we were struggling to get season started because of grounds. Um, but this was completely different again because of the, the whole health impact on the whole community, not just football. But yeah, the, the challenges of last year going through trying to find a way to manufacture a season 
when there were so many things working against us and I think um, that was the hardest part is that we're here to be able to provide community sport whether it's football or netball to to our region and that's our business is to conduct games and run competitions and and provide that uh, social outlet for the for the community to be able to not do that um, was very different indeed um, because uh, when you're making a decision on not to have a season goes against everything that we're here for and um, it takes a fair bit of getting used to I suppose when you're looking at planning for no season half a season uh, other scenarios into October we probably had combined 12 different scenarios at one stage that we're trying to work our way through and um, hanging on as long as we can within reason to say well how can we still make something happen but eventually uh, the stars aligned the way they did and it just wasn't possible for a whole range of reasons that has been well documented last year so it was a shame that uh, we went through it what we went through but as I say to everyone I talk to that there's a lot more people worse off than us than not getting a game of football or netball um, when you're talking about people's health and livelihoods and, and the impact financially on everyone mental health um, we're only a small fish in, in the scheme of things but equally important to be able to provide people with that yeah, social interaction and, and health and well-being but yeah tough year but uh, I don't think they can get much tougher than that I don't want to jinx ourselves and and I always say I've said over the years to people uh, from a league point of view that we always need to try and future proof the league um, whether that's financially in one way or another that we need to get ourselves to a position that if something come along that we couldn't see that we were able to absorb this bump in the road and ironically, I was just having that conversation with our senior presidents probably weeks before we went into lockdown in March last year. And I said to them, I'm not sure what future proofing looks like or what we need to plan for, but it's to plan for the unknown. And lo and behold, who would have thought a few weeks later, um, what we're trying to describe was actually COVID and that um, we were able to absorb the the bump uh, the best we could as a league and we really went through last year focusing on making sure that as a league we took the hit financially in particular and that clubs weren't uh, disadvantaged at all and, and our focus was as I said last year is that we want one every club to come back we don't want to lose one club along the way and that we want every club to come back in good healthy condition the positive is that I think every club has come back in a better position off the field than they were this time last year. So I think that's probably the silver lining to all things COVID is that it's probably been a year where clubs have been able to reset and just get themselves back on track, whether that's on or off the field in different areas, depending on where they're at. But I'm not too. I'm not aware of any club that's certainly come back worse off after talking to all our clubs and, and going through the annual reports and things like that. That you know, clubs that you know, had been struggling financially had a chance to you know, put some money in the bank through different fundraising activities and you know, some memberships donated, sponsorships. Some have been uh, still paid. Um, so it, it's been a year that you know there's been some positives from that point of view that from a sustainability point of view 
clubs have come back here in a really good position, ready to go for this year, uh, which I think uh, is a is a bonus to what's happened. But obviously, we'd still would have liked to have played footy last year. I guess one of the other, I guess, positives we wouldn't have envisaged to come out of last year is probably just the ability as a league to connect close, more closely with clubs. Obviously, we know that uh, community football is run predominantly by volunteers who are obviously working their day job, they've got their family life as well, and, and we only have a, a limited interaction with them to some extent, but it, we gained an opportunity to, to have more in-depth and and engaging conversation with clubs but do you feel that that could be a benefit going forward that we feel like we're we're more in tune with the clubs and and they with us as well the other way around oh absolutely and and it's one thing i think that we have done well historically is that we continue to talk with our clubs we listen uh we don't always agree Uh, sometimes uh, the cards may not fall the way that uh, a club would have liked but we certainly take on board everything and canvas so that uh, we're making the most informed decisions that we can that meet the needs of everybody and not necessarily just individual clubs, but what's good for the greater good. But, um, yeah, I think that's definitely helped that and the con- conversations still continue on now um, where we keep talking to our clubs and, and that's one thing that we'll always keep doing is that um, if we're going to make any real significant decisions or, or something that may impact uh, the wider competitions is that we'll always keep talking to our clubs firstly we're not about to roll something out that is um, uh, not in the best interests of everybody uh, we want to make sure that yeah, you know, if we decide to go in a certain direction we do that knowing that our clubs will be supportive of that and that there's no surprises one way or the other and to me by doing that actually makes the decision-making process a lot easier because when you get to make that decision, you pretty well know the outcome already because you've had the conversation with your clubs. You, you know what they're thinking. They they know what you're thinking. Um, so when that decision's made, and, and whether that was on pulling the season last year as an example, um, when we actually did it, there was no surprises for our clubs as well. And I think that's really important that there are no surprises as such. And, and that goes both ways. We don't want to be surprised as a league on some things either. Um, and, and we should afford the same to our clubs, especially on uh, so the higher level decision-making processes, which um, gives everyone a buy-in. It just means that everybody's on the journey together rather than us trying to convince clubs to head a certain direction that we've already had that conversation and gained their buy-in before any decisions are made and and I think that just makes it a lot easier to work together and and keep building our brand and our competition because as much as we might make the final decision it's a collective decision along the way. We managed to have our summer netball competition run over uh, the months from late November through to uh, just finishing up last week in in, in March and then obviously having footy starting again on Good Friday. But um, has it, um, I shouldn't say surprised you, but in terms of what you could have canvassed from last year, was this basically best case scenario to to hope that we could get back to a normal season? And and did you think that was a a real possibility when we were still in lockdown back back in October? Uh, one, it was great that we got the summer netball comp finished this year. Unfortunately, last year we, we had to pull the pin on grand final week. So those grand finals eventually weren't played. So that was disappointing for everyone involved. The one thing that I think that we've learned through last year is 
one never get ahead of ourselves just when we think things are going okay there's a lockdown around the corner or, or something changes so um, as much as I guess our heart was saying uh, earlier this year or even late last year that um, our plan is yet just to come back to normal this year you're never really sure you were still it's probably more hoping that that would be the case and the longer that you have a stretch like we have now of, of no community cases in Victoria, the more confidence you start to get that, hey, this is going to happen. And I think that you know, a lot of people have probably held off making a decision along the way. Now, that's whether our clubs are making or putting in uniform orders or whether it's parents registering their players, etc. Uh, people have sort of been playing the wait-and-see game. And I think... Uh, as we've spoken internally, uh, even in the, in the earlier part of the year, we forecast that March was going to be a mad March, as far as everyone would think, right, we're four weeks out from the start of the season, it's actually going to happen. So let's get those orders in, let's start re-registering. And, and, and it seems to have panned out that way, where there's been a flurry of activity in that month of March, where it is normally it's busy in March, but it was busier than normal this year, which is good because you can see the confidence levels are rising just by the number of registrations that are starting to pick up uh, as much as we'd like them to be more because in some sectors, as a segue to our participation, uh, the, the hotspot for us where numbers have dropped off is probably that 8 to 10-year-olds. Uh, where there's been no connection between Auskick and club footy last year due to uh, obviously no Auskick or junior footy. Um, our, our numbers in their other youth and, and senior sectors, men or women, uh, are pretty good. But when we can compare that to 2019. But yeah, when we get to that 8 to 10, and this seems to be across the board, not just in our league, uh, when I talk to all the other Metro leagues, if, if the AFL had asked us what area... And they did ask us, by the way, what area to focus on. And we pretty much all said that eight to ten-year-old sector is where all their energy and advertising should go into getting kids playing footy, uh, primarily because that's the the weakest spot that we've got with numbers have dropped. Um, so yeah, so from that point of view, um, there's been yeah, some positives and some challenges, I suppose, as well. What can we do in terms of having flexibility to allow perhaps more junior players to get out on the footy field again in 2020? Well, I think the, the first thing that we do this year is that as much as we have deadlines for team nominations and um, running competitions, if a club said to us in May, we've got an extra under-9s team or under-10s team, our flexibility is that we can still find a way to put them into a competition if they end up coming in late um, was definitely open to that and not just under nines or tens but it could be any age group really uh, if a club's got a team up and running and it seems to be a bit later and they're happy to come in knowing that they're behind the eight ball but they're more focused on just giving kids a game of footy and not worried about ladders and scores and results then it's in our interest as well as everyone's is to try and make that happen and I don't see why you know, we wouldn't uh, let teams come in if there's one out of the blue here and there later on. I think at the end of the day, that's what we're here for, is to get more people involved. So it would be silly to say no. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's they, they're the sort of, I think, levels of flexibility that we've got that we can accommodate as required. 
Uh, one, I guess, uh, sector we haven't had a, a, certainly a drop in teams, we've actually had an increase is in the senior women's football space. The competition commences this weekend, starts with grading, so all clubs in one pool will eventually be three d- divisions of, of open-age uh, women's football. But uh, to have 24 teams out on the park this year, a great result, and particularly when you think that you know, five years ago we didn't have a, a women's competition, it's, it's great to see the growing number of, uh, of teams, but also the number of players playing you know, football in that, that women's space. Yeah, that's been great uh, to see the numbers grow there. Unfortunately, we lost one over the weekend, so um, <laughs> I haven't even spoken to you about that one. Uh, yeah, so Heidelberg's second team has pulled out over the weekend, so we're down to 23. Um, hopefully Simon, before this goes away, has notified all the clubs uh, that we have one short, which is a shame because now that creates a buy this weekend, which um, this means that Hurstbridge won't play this week. But um, it's still been great that they tried. That they, they've done a great job there at Oldenburg to get close to two teams. Absolutely. I think they ended up with 41 players, uh, which uh, they thought was not quite enough to be able to field t- few t- two teams, especially when you get some av- unavailabilities and injuries and, and those sorts of things. So yeah, you need probably just a few more. Uh, so that's a shame, but they got close, which was a great effort. But... Um, yeah, and the numbers have been great in the women's comp. Yeah, it would have been nice to have 24, could have been three eights, but possibly. Um, but uh, there's, uh, the clubs are working hard to keep building that part of their, their club and, and certainly from a membership and an inclusion point of view, it's working really well. Looking at, uh, when you talk about the inclusion um, of that space, obviously to see clubs playing, for example, this weekend, some, some double headers. We see West Preston Lakeside, their men's side will unfurl their flag half an hour earlier. The game will start at one thirty or 40 minutes earlier because they'll have the, the women's playing directly afterwards as well. and uh, Or more so the Fitzroy Stars, I think, is the other one that's, uh, that's doing much the same. So it's obviously um, great to see that, that inclusion where We've got the men's and women's playing on the same day and, and women uh, obviously getting an opportunity to play in front of you know, bigger crowds and get a bit more prominence. No, it is. It's great. And um, those that have done that previously, boy, I know Heidelberg and West Preston have done this in the past where the girls have played after the seniors and the men will start a fraction earlier and I think the girls get away at 4.20 or something like that. Um, it's terrific to have them a part of a Saturday. Uh, the challenge we have, and, and just talking in our match review this morning, uh, with with more clubs trying to play the girls on a Saturday puts our umpiring uh, numbers at, at, uh, under pressure as far as trying to field a full complement of uh, umpires on a Saturday uh, and, and trying to ascertain, well, you know, where's the breaking point and uh, which games can we provide a full book of umpires which is field goals and boundaries versus some that might, not get the full book so as much as it's great to have them all growing it puts additional pressures on other areas like that umpiring numbers for senior footy on a Saturday uh, because the women have historically played on a Sunday it's hasn't been too bad and uh, our numbers are a lot better to cater for those games so on a Saturday uh, it does make it a, a bit tougher so that's something that we'll have to keep working on as far as our recruitment and retention of umpires, which is going to be a challenge coming out of COVID as well, um, where we've lost 12 months of recruiting umpires also. So that's another challenge out of COVID. 
our umpires have done a great job, obviously, in, in looking after the the league and its its member players and whatnot. Obviously, we uh, announced last year about them taking a, a reduction in pay, and that continues into this year as well. So we obviously appreciate their support throughout uh, throughout tough times. Oh, absolutely, and I can't speak more highly of the whole approach uh, to the umpires. Just been happy to do their bit. Uh, they've been just great all the way along last year and even to go into this year just with the the attitude of you know happy to do whatever they can to to take a bit of pressure off clubs and and costs not knowing what this year would look like um so uh, we're, we're definitely appreciative and wrapped that they've been able to just do their bit and, and be accommodating the way they have and, and the whole attitude has been fantastic and you know, we're wrapped that um, we've got a great bunch of umpires that understand the bigger picture and are happy to do whatever they can to to help um, So in that way and then also looking forward to getting them back to normal pay next year which would be great, a reward for them to get back to normal after you know, making a sacrifice at the same time and as I said to the clubs last year, you know, the umpires have put their hand up to do their bit. Uh, I think it's important that uh, we're given the opportunity, whether it's after the game in the rooms having a beer, is that you know, the clubs acknowledge that and thank them at the time as well, that uh, yeah, they've done their bit to help the clubs out, really, because that's what it comes down to. It's not necessarily the league. Uh, it's more about just reducing the costs to clubs. And by doing that and, and a few other things that we've put in place this year, uh, we've been able to generate a savings of three to $4,000 per club this year by just simply yeah, a minor cutting umpire pays for the year, uh, reducing events and, and other expenditure to clubs, which uh, hopefully that's appreciated across the board, which I'm, I'm sure it is. But, uh, yeah, back to the umpires. I think it would be great if the, uh, the clubs certainly made a point of just recognising that and thanking them for it when, when they can. Uh, with our netball competition, we mentioned obviously we've been able to get through the entire summer netball competition, which was fantastic. Obviously, great numbers with seven sections, which was a record in summer, maybe to be expected given the fact that people had been indoor for quite some time and were just eager to, to get back out. But our winter season commences next Friday, so um, still another week or so away. How are we looking in that space? Obviously, we do have a new facility to play out of as well, which was fantastic over summer. But uh, what does 2021 look like on a netball perspective? At this stage, uh, our netball numbers are looking really strong again. Uh, historically, they've continued to grow. And, and last year, we were we had 105 teams nominated. Unfortunately, as we know, it didn't happen. But uh, our numbers are looking really strong. As I said, the nominations don't close till later this week. But at this stage, they're tracking pretty well to be similar to previous years. Um, so that's great. And as you said, new venue here at La Trobe Uni. Uh, is a bonus six courts indoor it's fantastic that we've got access to this facility as part of our partnership with the trobe uni as a whole as them coming on board as our naming rights partner for for 20 years um they're branded on all our jumpers our match day footies um, and also have then access to a whole range of other collaborative initiatives that we'll keep working with them as to how that can also roll out and benefit some clubs down the track as well. If you can just touch on that, I guess a bit, a little bit more. Obviously, it was one of the sh great shames of last year was just as we'd been able to move into the new space here at Latrobe, uh, we were obviously forced to, I guess, leave the office and, and work from home. But 
obviously there's some real um, big benefits that could come out of this for, for the Northern Football Netball League, access to you know, facilities and even as simple as being able to host meetings on site, which has been a great bonus, I guess, of, of the summer. But it really is a, a massive endorsement for us as a league to be able to uh, be situated in, in a facility like we are now here at the La Trobe Sports Stadium. Oh, absolutely. It's state-of-the-art. It's got everything. As you would know, when we take people on a quick tour of the stadium in itself, uh, the feedback's overwhelmingly positive and in awe of just what there is here. And, you know, we've had people from AFL clubs, etc., and other elite programs that have come through here. And, and first question is, how can we use these facilities? If you're talking about, you know, the strength and conditioning facilities downstairs with the gyms to the uh, exercise physiology labs and uh, all the equipment that they have in there. Uh, it's amazing, as well as you've got your standard uh, basketball courts or netball courts uh, and then the administration and meeting rooms upstairs here as well. So it just covers everything, really. And for us to be in here is is fantastic and, and it's happened over a period of time between myself and Russell Hoy that you know, we've been able to nut this out to eventually get into a venue that started probably over 10 years ago as a pipe dream, uh, especially for Russell when he first um, mentioned it to me back then. So to see it come to fruition is amazing, and, and now to be here is even more so. So, um, yeah, it's how we keep tapping into the all things La Trobe uh, moving forward, which there's we've only probably just scratched the tip of the iceberg at the moment. As you know, access to students, whether it's for the media department, whether it's interns for helping our operations areas during the season to maybe getting access to physio students to help clubs out with as trainers, etc. Um, there's lots of opportunities. You know, we've got a couple of students that are doing the fitness work for our umpiring group that's come out of another course. So we're getting... We're getting into all the nooks and crannies here, I suppose, to see what is available for us to tap into. So I think the longer we're here, the more we'll know what's here and, and where to find it and how we can then have uh, opportunities to work together in a whole range of areas, which will take things to another level again. I think um, uh, this year we'll probably have more students uh, as interns than we've ever had. I, I think we're staring close to 10-ish at the moment uh, and in the new office environment it actually allows us to do that whereas in the past we we couldn't have fitted them all in so that just allows us to actually get on and, and run a better organization because we've got access to to more people and, and giving opportunities to these students as well so there's lots of wins have happened already and um be nice to just be here for 12 months rather than have a, a short stint here last year for four weeks and then went home for a lot of the year so to be here for the year would be great just to even settle in and mingle with our our neighbours which we've got to know pretty well in the other offices which um, we can enjoy the the venue a lot more and coming into this weekend now obviously we've had the season commence on good friday with uh, two venues in operation but in a way it's a bit of that was a bit of the entree now we're into the main course this weekend where all of the senior competitions uh, from a football perspective are back in action with the men and the women we've got football right from friday through sun to sunday as well so some night games to kick off the, the weekend but uh, obviously from a club point of view you talked about compliance um you know, just briefly before, but uh, I guess for people going into to games this weekend, is there anything in particular that they have to be across as they uh, they arrive at venues on on Friday through to Sunday? Yeah, look, as as per 
many venues, whether it's cafes, restaurants, pubs, clubs, etc. Uh, outdoor venues for local footy won't be any different as far as QR codes and 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 patrons scanning in when they arrive at venues. Clubs will have uh, displayed around the oval fencing uh, QR codes where people can walk up and scan in. Uh, we certainly encourage everyone to do that. Uh, if, if we ever have another outbreak or, or a case, the more people that scan in give us a better chance to, to not us, but the, the government to to manage that outbreak and, and contact trace and, and hopefully that keeps our impact to a minimal. Um, the last thing we want is you know, games and rounds being affected because um, there's been no contact tracing and, and people haven't done the right thing to check in. So our clubs will have their QR codes out there. There's signage that will be placed around the venues uh, highlighting you know, social distancing out on the ground at, at huddles at quarter time, etc., where traditionally you know, supporters will go out there and, and gather around. Uh, we encourage everyone to maybe not do what they normally would have done and get in too close, that they keep their distance and, and go out there and uh, socially distance so that we don't jeopardise anything at all. Um, and also all your other hygiene protocols that we've all come to know about now from washing your hands, etc., that all still applies, whether it's a footy club or if you're at home. So if you look, the more people that check in, the better. Um, and touch wood that um, we won't need it. Well, Peter, uh, thank you for your time today. Obviously, it's great to have our action uh, back underway again after a very long layoff. So best of luck for the year ahead and really appreciate you giving us that insight into the league ahead of what hopes to be a, a fantastic 2021. And yeah, you're right. It's just great to be back. And um, I think from our perspective as a league, it's a great feeling to be able to you know, just get back to doing what we normally do. So I'm looking forward to you know, getting out there again this weekend. Although it's a big weekend, Friday night at Northcote Park and then uh, the weekend, most of the games kick off. But um, I think the most important thing is now is that everyone just gets out there and enjoys being back and don't take it for granted after the year we've just had and that um, sometimes uh, we just need a bit of a reality check to say, hey, you know, we don't want to lose this again, so let's do the right thing and enjoy it. At La Trobe University, you'll learn lessons that last your entire professional life. You'll be inspired by thought leaders, change makers, and brilliant minds, teachers who are mentors too. Learn from experts, then become one. Learn the rules, then how to remake them. Discover your path to success and find your dream course at latrobe.edu.au. Latrobe University, all kinds of clever. Thanks for sticking with us on the NFNL podcast. I'm now joined by NFNL match of the day commentator Nicholas Sacco. Nicholas, welcome to the NFNL podcast for season 2021. It was outstanding to be out at Altham Central on Friday afternoon. Obviously, the game itself was, uh, even though Altham held sway, some areas was pretty competitive, but I think uh, like most, we were just happy to be out there calling footy once again. Cheers, Samuel. Great to be on for 2021 and absolutely right. I mean, the game was still a pretty entertaining one despite the actual score on at the end of it, but yeah, so good to see a big crowd down at Altham Central Central Park and everybody getting around community football and even uh, the Epping Thomastown game that was on later that day as well got some great um, reviews from that so uh, 
just good to be back in the box, calling football again and, and just being involved. It's so nice. Well, of course, just to recap those results, uh, Eltham, too good for St. Mary's, 17-20-122 to St. Mary's, 10-16-76. And uh, over at Epping Rec Reserve, it was only a three-goal difference at halftime, but Thomastown booted 15 goals after halftime to record a 26-17-173 to 13-2-80 victory over the Blues. Nick, it's, uh, we're going to be tasked with just having a quick look at the uh, senior men's football competitions uh, coming up uh, throughout the 2021 season. Of course, we also have the start of the senior women's football competition this weekend as well. The first four rounds in the women's are graded, so we'll have a, a more in-depth look at that once grading is completed and we've got a better understanding as to where exactly sides fit into the equation and we'll certainly look forward to having a chat uh, throughout the course of the season to many of the key players and, and coaches of, of our women's competitions. But if we just cast our eye first to uh, the senior men's football competition and we might start our attention in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 and it's a, it's a pretty tough task because we haven't had footy for 18 months. There's been plenty of turnover on lists and there's been players who have come in and haven't played a game and have departed unfortunately because of the year we had last year but as we know, one thing we know about Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 football in the Northern Football Netball League, it's always competitive. There's no easy games. West Preston Lakeside go into the season as the dual reigning premier, something that hasn't happened for the best part of, uh, of a decade and a half, of course. They created history in 2019. You look at both of their premiership wins, they've never finished first on the ladder, and I think it just goes to show the depth of the competition. But um, looking ahead to, to this year, you'd expect that the sides that played off in the grand final in 2019, West Preston, Lakeside and Greensboro, are still the sides to catch. But, but given the turnover we've had, what do, we, what do we anticipate coming up in 2021? There's definitely a bit of an unknown, and we sort of spoke about this on the Match of the Day broadcast for Division 2. It's pretty much going to be the same here. There's a lot of talented sides, and there's a lot of great lists in this division as well, a few um, players coming in and out. But, yeah, I, I mean, Greensboro and West Preston would be hard not to look past because they are the two staple holds, or at least they were in 2019. But then you've had other sides that, you know, maybe did make the finals and are looking to recharge themselves, your Bundurras, your Northcote Parks, who were definitely in the region of just trying to take that next step in their development and get back into a finals race but in terms of the evenness on the competition there's so many names you could list off as a premiership contender and you wouldn't be um you wouldn't be looked at twice yeah and, and the fu- that's the funny thing about it because i think the, the, we've been so fortunate to, to have what, what we've had i know there's it's often the envy of other local sporting competitions to have such a competitive balance but it's not just a matter of the premier rotating it's the fact that when you you have sides that are at the bottom they are capable of beating sides at, to, at the top and we saw that as recently as, as 2017 when Whittlesey was relegated yes. and beat the Premier in Bandura twice throughout the course of the season, which uh, is it just about feels feels unheard of. So, or sorry, and uh, and also they just missed relegation, but they finished second from bottom, and and you just don't get that elsewhere. Even the year they went down, they were able to beat sides that played finals footy. So it does uh, it is quite remarkable. We've spoken to, to many of the coaches through uh, the NFNL website for, through articles we've had, and I think most have been in in unison in saying. West Preston, Lakeside, Greensboro. Yeah. Easy to fall into the trap of just you know predicting the sides that, that's been there in the past. But if I, I was to look at those two sides, I think the, the depth they've had through their squads in, in recent years uh, probably sets them apart fr- from the rest. And if we want to just quickly browse through some of the names that the West Preston, Lakeside's brought in. And they've got a lot of players back who have been premiership winners with the club. Carl Adams comes back. Uh, so too Adam Valeri. Josh Jacobaccio comes across as well. He's played footy at Bandura, but there's also another one that's uh, just joined in recent days. Oh, I've just seen this. From yeah. the uh, Collingwood Football Club, Flynn Appleby, VFL listed player. A few of the players they have brought in are, are VFL listed, it has to be said. 
But uh, you look at th- those ins, and, and when you look at the outs, yes, there's premiership talent that, that's gone out of the side. Sam Glover was only playing a few games in 2019, albeit the, the club champion in 2018. But if you look at that side, uh, although the list of ins that we mentioned, there's no reason why you think that West Preston Lakes is going to be anywhere near, anywhere but uh, at the top end of, of Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. Oh, yeah, exactly right. And speaking to Armin Saad about this a few weeks ago, some of these players that they've brought back in have already been at the club. They've just missed because of overseas travel or other things as well. So it feels like they're getting stronger without really having to do the work of bringing these players in, which is a fantastic sign for them in terms of how they want to go about it this year. They're the dual reigning premier. I reckon this is the strongest squad they've gone into yeah. the season with. So they've had, they had some injury concerns going in into their most recent premiership defence and hence why they were probably not in six with players unavailable through injury and, and, and travel but they built as the season went on but I, I'm more you know, more confident about this list going into this year than, than any of the past yeah. two years on the Greensboro front where we'll talk about them heavily as well they're in they're talented players Nathan Horovat will play VFL footy throughout the year but if they can get him for, for enough appearances and, and play him in finals he'll be an, an asset Billy Murphy comes back onto the list he's playing VFL footy with um, the Northern Bullants but uh, a great acquisition having spent uh, the previous year in Aspley James McCubbin brother of uh, of course uh, Zach McCubbin as well comes in but when you look at the outs it's not there's a long list ones. but there's some big names yeah. aren't there and, and none bigger than Charlie Molyneux who for most was probably the standout player in, in 2019 winning the, the club champion award. Yeah it's a huge hole for Greensborough and speaking to Tom Bell he said that someone like Chris Clark their captain would be someone that would be trying to train themselves to fill that hole but we've seen how talented he's been for Greensborough in the last few years it's such a disappointing and even someone like Daniel McClendon who's headed off to the Panthers as well um, another big name that's just out of that team I don't feel like it's going to affect them too much into the season but just not having them around really as staple holders it might be a bit of a challenge. I guess the next question has to be, where do we see the, the next challenge coming from? Because we, we saw in, in 2019, North Heidelberg playoff in a second preliminary final. I think about a couple of months ago, if you spoke to most people, I think they'd say North Heidelberg is very much, uh, as much a premiership contender as the two aforementioned sides. But when you think now, they've lost Magic Door because of uh, being listed by Melbourne. They won't have... Uh, or they'll have... Uh, Jackson Starsevich VFL listed, so that's he's going to be a week by week proposition. And when you also look at some of the other tools they've lost through that list, Nick Matthews at Port Douglas, Michael Florence has transferred to to Diamond Creek, and and Jai Baddeley Kelly and, and Daniel Bramage are now playing second division football. They're going to be a young side. They're going to be a shorter side, North Heidelberg. And, and when you come up against some of the monsters, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they adapt there. Well, that's why I went and got Majak Dahl in the first place, because I did want to try and fill the void of that tall player. But now that he did go, and it was great to see him head off to Melbourne as well, but uh, now that they've got that void, they're just really trying to fill. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how they do go in terms of that forward line. I did go and watch their practice match against Alpha maybe a fortnight or so ago. Um, and the inside 50 deliveries were great, particularly to the likes of the Harvey brothers. But at the same time, it might not stack up against some really tall defences throughout this competition. So um, it might be a bit difficult for them. But we'll see, we'll see how they go. I mean, we know the, the quality of that midfield. I mean, they've got so much talent that, that, that runs through. And, and when you've got players like a, a Jesse Tardio, you talk about Brent Harvey. I mean, there's talk about him potentially going back to North Melbourne. I know it's, it's yes. all uh, media speculation, obviously, but uh, I'm sure the North Heidelberg folk don't want to hear a bar of that. Uh. But th- when you've got a player as you know, uh, you know, game, AFL Games record holder and obviously doing what he does at a grassroots level, still in immaculate condition, um, they, they're going to 
it's going to drive you, you far, isn't it? But it's just whether they have the, the talent in, inside 50 and, and also in, in defensive 50. And a new well. coach as well, and Jason Heatley as well, coming into the system. I was about to touch on him. He, he's a, a, a bigger recruit as, as anything else, isn't he, really? A, a premiership coach in our competition, and uh, success just follows him. He's done it at Northcote Park. He's done it at Heidelberg. He comes back home this year to North Heidelberg, where, of course, he had a, a great playing career as well. So I think he'll be a, a massive asset, and I think despite the disappointment of losing some of those players on the eve of the season, I think you'll have them ready to go ahead of uh, ahead of the 2021 season. Um, just uh, we, we won't touch on absolutely every side. We we are limited for, for time to an extent. But when you look at the, the other sides that uh, that played finals last year, Heidelberg, Montmorency, Montmorency pretty settled going into yeah. this year. Look at their. I mean, the key in is going to be Ben Kennedy, who for me. He's probably my tip for, for winning the competition best and fairest. I oh, thought he was wow. outstanding back in 2018 in a side that, that struggled at, at that stage. Went and played VFL footy again in, in 2019, now back permanently. But he's a, obviously a huge acquisition for Montmorency as they push towards another finals uh, attempt. Of course, they'd love to win one this year after being uh, beaten pretty heavily in, in 2019. And then Heidelberg will... For Heidelberg, they played finals last in 2019. Somewhat unexpectedly, I think they yeah. they probably got there ahead of uh, ahead of schedule. But it's a long list of outs when you look at you know players like Jack Blair, Michael Brunelli, uh, Sam Grimley, uh, Josh Grubin as well, and and the list goes on and on. Fletcher McIver, Chas Sargent, Tom Sullivan. That's only to name about half of the players out. So for Heidelberg under Danny Nolan, it's going to be a pretty youthful side. Yeah, and there's, there's some big names already in that out section there, so might be a tough one for them. But oh, I don't know. I feel like they're an op- have a good opportunity to really, you know, re-energize their list. We know they've had lots of young sides in the past few years as well, so having that come into the system again not, might not be a big change. And I think that's the big thing. They've actually played the kids in, in recent years, so yeah. they're ready to take their game to another level. I know there are a few who have linked up with VFL sides, but if they're at Heidelberg more often than not, they're going to be big acquisitions. And, and you also look at some of their ends as well and yes they've lost talent but Matthew Smith comes across from Collingwood's VFL Keenan Poser comes in Brody Tardio yes. is obviously a premiership player with North Heidelberg and then you've got the you know a player like uh, uh, this, uh, Tom Schnering who's played VFL footy for the best part of uh, the last three or four years suffered an injury uh, back in 2019 but they're going to have plenty of talent to still get them through it's just whether or how long it's going to take to cover those players who have been linchpins in that side for for many a year of the sides that didn't play finals, uh, we look at the McLeods, uh, Northcote Park, Hurstbridge, uh, and of course, uh, Whittlesey coming back up. I've uh, missed another one in Bandura. there as well. Bandura, of course, yeah. who were generally a finals uh, side and missed for the first time in two decades in 2019. Is there any of those that uh, would stand out to you as a side that uh, could really elevate their game and, uh, and push into contention this year? I mean, obviously, McLeod's the one where you look at and see they've brought in someone like Paddy Flynn, who's going to be a massive name for their ruck stocks. Um, and then McEwen's coming back into that side as well so um, we've seen McLeod do it before in terms of, of being a genuine finals contender I can't see why they they only finished six in the 2019 season so I can't see why not but then you've got other sides like Bandura who are sort of in a mini rebuild they're just trying to get their list back together they've also had some big names come out and Northcote Park who have probably had the biggest list turnover of all the clubs this division there's a lot of big names that have also come of the, out of that team you look at your close and your Starsevich who have been two staple holds in that Jordan side and Perry in, it, in recent weeks oh, as well, well so yeah. The big outs, the one thing I'd say at Northcote Park, some of the ins might just sneak under the radar a bit. I think there's a, a bit of talent coming in through, through that list. I know Matthew Grocott's one to keep an eye on, but Ben McNeese, the other one. It'll be interesting to see what role they use Ben McNeese this year coming back from, from AFL level. Has been a defender. You'd imagine they'll push him more through the midfield as well, particularly to cover the loss of uh, Jordan Perry. And, and on the Bundura front, Sam Lloyd clearly yep. the big in there, the Huge. former Western Bulldogs and Richmond forward. 
Hurst Bridges one that, that I'm interested in. I think oh, yeah. I like the talent they've been able to bring into their club this year, the Bridges. Ben Bevan's a great acquisition. They get back Tom Grimes and, and also a player like a, a Tyson Old, Jack Stewart, young, younger players who've got some VFL experience. Yes, they've lost talent. Tom Simpson is uh, up in Queensland. Jack Furlong's not there this year. And, and they lose, of course, uh, one of their all-time stars in Daniel Keane and unfortunately suffered so Achilles injuries yeah. in, the, uh, in the pre-season. And we hope it's not the, the last we've seen of him, but it, but it could well be, um, you know, given the, the stage he was at in his career. So I think they're one who can certainly rise. And then if I look at, uh, at, a, at a Whittlesey as well, well, I think... On the Eagles, I think they're really well balanced to, to be back and, and pushing up now. They spent only one year back in second division. They'd had their longest stint in the top flight prior to that. They've got Blair Harvey at the helm. I think they're a side that's uh, now re- really ready to make their mark on, on Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. And they've got the wild trio as well coming in as well, and I don't mean that as an adjective. I mean Cameron <laughs> Mitchell and Jake all heading over to the to that side as well. So, yeah, Blair Harvey, in the conversations I've had with him in the last couple of years, he's really passionate and determined and has a strong belief that this side can take it up to the best in Division 1. We saw North Heidelberg do it a few years ago. I feel like this team's almost as talented to really take that next step and not necessarily go real deep into the finals, but push for that finals, uh, that final five. If I'm, I'm not going to ask you a ladder as such. It's probably a bit hard to do after the year away, but I'll give you a, a, a quick premier prediction and a, and a best and fairest prediction. I'm going to go Greensboro. I reckon this is the opportunity for them to ne- take that next step, um, and I reckon they'll win the flag. And best and fairest, I'm stuck between Tom Bell going back to back, but also Sam Gilmore, who's going to be the lone man pretty much at Holderberg, um, to really get them up and about. So I think Sam Gilmore's a good shout at, at getting that. Of course, competition uh, coaches MVP back in 2019 for mine. I'm sticking with West Preston Lakes. I love the talent they've brought into wow. the side. Well coached side. It would be an amazing story if they can go back to back to back. And to think they did back to back by not winning, uh, by not finishing first. They yeah. came from Norton Six. What a story it would be if they then had a year off and came back and, and won a triple a, a across the, the space of four years. be an amazing story. I think Ben Kennedy's uh, just about the biggest uh, recruit coming in for, for Montmorency. And uh, having seen the way he played in 2019, he's a, a player who I think will have a, a massive impact in 2021. We'll have a really short break. On the other side of this, we'll take a look at MC Labor Division 2 and we'll also take a look at Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, The Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. Thanks for listening to the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Nicholas Sacco from the NFNL match of the day. Nick, uh, we now turn our attention to MC Labor Division 2. We saw two games over the Good Friday weekend. Not surprise results in terms of Altham and Thomastown winning, but they both certainly um, really gave a statement of intent for this year. And They're going to be two of the, the major challenges, and I think they showed that on day one of the season. Two dominant sides flexing their muscles, really, Samuel. And it was great to see Altham produce the performance they did, being at the ground and watching them. And seeing Thomastown really step up in the second half and... and win that game against Epping. Two of the five sides we sort of predicted as, as being a premiership contender in that division. So um, interesting to see if they can continue this form in the early part of the season. Yeah, you're spot on. I think uh, I think for most people, you would have said it's a top 10, uh, sorry, it's a 10-team competition with the top five in 2021. Um, yeah, I think most people would have said at the start of the year, if you had to pick your five, Altham, Banyul, Diamond Creek, Thomastown, Lowell, plenty, no particular order. St Mary's obviously the side that's outside of that mix, which can challenge for mine, the other four potentially more in a development phase. But 
I don't think there's much separating the top five and this weekend's going to really give us a, a good indication when Altham travels out to Main Street Reserve to take on Thomas Down just as to, to where exactly those sides uh, sit in the, in the mix of the competition. I think um, looking at, at Altham, they've got a side that for mine is as good as or if not better than what they had when they were playing first division football back in, in 2017. You look at that midfield with Woods and, and McCaffrey Montanaro really stepped up his game as well. They've got key position players at, uh, at either end of the ground who are versatile. So they're, they're setting the benchmark now. I know last year they, they only finished in third spot on the ladder. They were behind the likes of Whittlesey and Banyul, but I think they've uh, certainly elevated their position. And, and for Thomastown, the depth of that midfield now is, is crazy when you've got the likes of Tyron Leonardis and Michael Tang in that, in that midfield setup, and, and then you throw in you know, Matt Vasilevsky. Um, they've got players like uh, James Rizzolio, Adrian Natoli, and, and when you've got a forward like Anthony Capici oh, yeah. creating magic, kicking five on uh, in round one, there's uh, plenty to like about what Thomastown can, can do in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Just back on Elfham quickly. They, they've got a di- Division One caliber football team, really. And the only difference is they're not actually playing there. So um, just fantastic names all around. We spoke about it as well last week, just how good they've been. But Thomastown were... Set to be the big improvers for 2021 anyway when you're bringing in Leonardis and Tang as two examples who were the top two in the coaches MVP for round one in their game as well. It just shows how important they're going to be um, to the side and in terms of their premiership aspirations. If um, we, we scroll through, obviously Banyul would be so disappointed with how 2019 finished off. They were the best side throughout the home and away season. As it uh, unfolded, Whittlesey did manage to close that gap and then eventually on grand final they produced a, a strong performance to, to overcome the Bears. But they've had a lot of time to, to stew on that result now for, for Banyul. So yeah. it's an interesting one because you always wonder, and we've, uh, we didn't really touch on it in this podcast, but it's been spoken about with Greensboro as well, is that is it a, a motivating factor or does it become a curse when you have so long to stew over a result and have to wait now 18 months before you get a chance at atonement? It'll be interesting to see how they tackle this uh, 2021 season, yep. Daniel. And they've lost some names as well in their squad as well. I mean, you look at some very experienced ones. Scott Gumbleton, I guess, the main one that comes out of that team. But um, yeah, I'll be intrigued to see um, their start of the season because I feel like that's going to be really important and that was, yeah, that was so close to winning that flag in 2019 when you think about it. Probably almost should have won it against the Eagles, but just didn't get there. So uh, a tougher competition at their hands in Division 2 this season. So, um, yeah, very intriguing. Yeah, and, and obviously they'll require, obviously, a new leadership with Gumbleton not there. Riley Lowton, who shared the, the competition best and fairest, has, has also signed up with uh, Richmond VFL as well. So a little bit of talent going out, but they are star-stacked, and, and they showed that throughout the course of, of 2021. And, and for sides, uh, a lot of plenty coming back down. It'd be interesting to see how they go they've obviously lost uh, Paddy Flynn who's been the, the star of that club yeah. for, for a number of years as well do get Darcy Barden back as well but it's always interesting to see how a side coming back finds their balance especially more so after how long we've had away from the game yeah exactly and we, we've seen sides just rebound quickly after being relegated in the previous year uh, I don't know I feel like Lower Plenty have a lot more of a challenge on their hands we've already spoken about the evenness this competition is going to have and I feel like Lower Plenty while they're a pre- premiership contender might not be that easy to just slip their uh, play through and, and come back into Division 1 and on Diamond Creek they're going to be a side that's going to be uh, stacked with height uh, as they've probably been for, for in, in recent times a, a lot of uh, a lot of tall timber in that, that lineup. so 
you think if you can get to you know potentially the bigger grounds at a point in the, the year if they can get that far yeah. they're always going to be a threat and I think they actually offer something a bit different to, to the other sides we've talked about as being the, the real contenders in the mix so they're, they're going to be a side that uh, might play a bit of different football to, to what we're accustomed to with other leading contenders they've got Andrew Tranquilly at the helm who's a, a well respected coach obviously had so much success in the Eastern Football Netball League with Doncaster as well so knows how to build a premiership winning side and be interesting to see what he can do with this Diamond Creek list we saw St Mary's on the weekend. They were pretty, for, for mine, pretty exciting with the young talent they've got uh, at their disposal. I think they're a side that maybe not quite there for, for this year, but you can see some some real build going up at that club. And you think down the track, they've got the talent that can really push them uh, push them deep into a, a competition like second division. Oh, definitely. And we saw the side that came out on Good Friday. On Good Friday. Nobody in that side under the age of 30 as well. It says a big statement about their development. Maybe, and just uh, maybe ha- over 30. Oh, over 30. That <laughs> would probably make a lot more sense, Samuel, yes. Uh, but, yeah, it's great to see that they've been blooding these youths and they've had a great young system with their under-19s and reserves um, programs. So they're definitely one to watch in the future. They might sneak a few surprise wins as well. I think absolutely. I, I think they're capable of beating top sides. I think on the weekend they come into a, come up against a pretty good one. They were a bit underdone. They'd had a few players who hadn't had yeah. much of a, a pre-season. But, uh, and with Hotkin, Conditions. I think most were feeling it late, but I think they're a side that can really, really challenge through. And then uh, of uh, of the others that we haven't quite touched on yet, we know that uh, Panton Hill comes up. They uh, unfill their premiership flag this weekend against Diamond Creek. Um, I think sides like they, Watsonia, Epping, and even the Stars, depending on where the Stars line up, I think there's opportunities for, for all of them. I don't think it's a matter of saying, well, you know, putting a, a ceiling on we want to win X amount of games and yeah. avoid relegation. I think there's there's enough within those sides there. There's going to be plenty of competition amongst them to say that there's plenty of winnable games on the calendar. I think the start of the season is going to be crucial for all those sides. You don't want to be chasing chasing results no. later in the year. But of that that mix, I know we've talked to most pundits and most have classified there being a, a, a potential top five that they're pretty confident on and, and then perhaps the rest. But is there a side that uh, sticks out to you that can really elevate themselves and, and get into contention this year? Uh, I'm not exactly sure in terms of pure contention, but uh, I did speak to Nathan Lovett-Murray, the, the new Fitzroy Stars recruit. Well, I say new, but he was been in the system for a couple of years there. Um, and, and he's very confident that the side he's got under him are really a good chance of just continuing their development just getting a bit more of a game system into them um, and just really surprising a few teams this year. I'm not sure they'll be a final side this year, uh, but with someone like him at the helm and, you know, having someone like Proctor as their coach as well, who's been in that system, in that club for a long time, um, it can only do positives for them in terms of what they want to try and achieve. And if we were to look ahead and... uh try and uh, crystal ball for a premiership Oof. winning side and a, and a best and fairest winner have you got uh, any in mind that uh, might spring right up it's hard to go past Alpham after watching them go about it on good friday so i'm going to stick with the panthers i reckon they will win the flag and, and then in terms of a best and fairest i mean i could rattle off three or four names from Alpham, but i actually think tyron leonardis will be the one that gets the best and fairest this year he's already produced a dominant performance in round one i can't see why he won't continue that throughout the year yeah we're uh well, there might be an echo in the room because i, I mean i liked <laughs> what i saw from Alpham already going into the year and you think they're going to bring it Dan McClendon into that side oh, as well yeah, exactly. I like the fact they've got the forward mix uh, right they've got the back end mix right and the midfield is, is star studded so I think they're as much as the top five I don't think there's a heap separating them I, I think Altham's probably the one with the, the best all round list yeah. it is a long season maybe the fact that we've seen them now in the flesh as well maybe sways us a bit and uh, I'm a bit similar to you. I think Tyron Leonardis is, is the, probably the, the gun recruit of, of the competition in, in, in MC Labor Division 2. Had a standout performance already. Exactly. Kicked a ton of goals from, as, as a rover. So he's got the ability to play midfield and push forward. And uh, I think he's, uh, he's 
for yeah. mine, a, a natural selection to, to choose for a, a competition best and fairest. And we make our way into Hollywood Golf Club Division 3. And I like the, the feel of the competition this year. It's down to eight teams. It provides more opportunities for those to play finals. And uh, obviously with no side being relegated and the Premier going up in, in, in Panton Hill, there's real opportunities for, for a new side to emerge as, as a powerhouse potentially. So what do we make of uh, what could potentially happen in, in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 this season? Yeah, there's there's huge opportunities for a lot of sides. And, you know, we've sort of seen the, the same few sides go up and down, you know, the Eppings and Watsonies and the Panton Hills and St. Mary's over the years. Um, you feel like this is a big opportunity for South Morang, who have been so close, but you're so far in a lot of years leading up to 2021. You feel like um, with the competition where it's at, this is their perfect chance to finally get that Division 2 promotion. But yeah, there's heaps of sides that could really make a mark in 2021. Like you're looking through the list and the final sides, you know, your Kilmores, your Lorimers, who really want to take that next step. Mern, they're just missing out on the top four in 2019 and your Holderberg West. Heaps of opportunity, Samuel. I think Lorimer's going to be an interesting one. We talked about how does Banyul respond, but same too for Lorimer. They were top of the ladder for the best part of, or 95% of the home and away season. Yeah. Lost the top spot late in the year, which didn't matter. They fell to second. They played in the same game, but then were ravaged by injury going to the finals and, uh, and couldn't put their best foot forward there. Yeah. But there's opportunity here. They've got a new coach at the helm. Obviously, Justin Sherman's progressed in his coaching career. They get Jimmy Atkins, who's had experience with Whittleski as a coach. He was also a senior assistant of Montmorency yep. under Gary Ramsey in the most recent season. So he's going to bring some, I guess, um, some Division One attitudes to the club. So I think they've got natural talent on the list because they are so young. Have lost a few of the young kids to to higher levels of footy, which is a shame. But it's naturally going to happen when yeah, you've course. got a young list and, and players who are pushing to play higher levels of football. But I think there's enough talent on that list to to really propel them. And and, and for, for mine, they're, they're probably as close to a premiership favourite as any. Kilmore's the other one. I think you mentioned them before. They've played finals now. They'd be disappointed with how 2019 finished because they were so inaccurate in the finals. Yeah. Younger list, they've got under 19 now side coming in as well, and they've got some some good talent there. I look at a player like Chris Riley; he, he was a star of the competition in 2019. Lee Irons is is uh, also in that midfield mix at the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of where their careers are now. At uh, one starting off and, and one coming more closer to the end than, than certainly the start, so they've got a nice mix about them. And Mernda is going to be an interesting one because there's been so much turnover in yeah, their playing list. They brought a lot of players across, experienced players, which they felt was a, a real had a real void there. So I think uh, just how long it takes them to, to gel together as a as a unit. I know that they've been together because of they've had the 18 months of training, but there's nothing quite like you know playing a, a match for four points to to really um, you know see how how the sides gel together. And we're not, not we're not going to know that until we get to that first bounce on Saturday as to just how well prepared. They are, but, but yeah. there's seven other competitors in the same boat. Exactly right. And we were talking about the list turnovers in the first two divisions and just how might, it might affect them. The same goes here for Mernda. Um, we know they've been a side that have just missed finals in the last few competitions um, for Division 3. So, again, an, a great chance for them to really step up. And I don't feel like it will take them too long to gel. I know it is only training, but 18 months to give it probably does help you, help you out a little bit. And if you look at, at some of the others as well, we've got uh, Laylor who have, uh, will play under... For 
the for the second year in a row, Gary Cutler. They've been able to bring in some some good talent to to come down. That's uh, experienced talent that won premierships at higher levels. Paz Sacuzzo, uh, Louis Hill as well. So that helps their development. Reservoirs picked up really well. I think they they are a side that. They haven't won a game of footy for, for quite some time. We know yeah. the challenges the club's had, but they they seem to be moving in, in the right direction. So they've got some talent they've brought into the club under Jason Hamilton, which I think they're certainly going to be a more competitive outfit as well. I'm sure their short-term targets are just about being competitive and, yeah. uh, and seeing where they can build to from there. But I think they'll be a better side and then on Friday night, I'm interested by the, the matchup that, that starts uh, off Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, Heidelberg Western, Old Altham Collegians. We talk about opportunities presenting yes. smaller competition, and I think these two sides will be looking at saying, why can't we be top four this year? Our old Altham were really encouraging in their first year in 2019. You know, Obviously, didn't win a heap of games, but at times really pushed some good sides in that division. So um, they're definitely looking to take the next step. And I was reading the article they did on their coach, Matthew Sleeman, the other day. And uh, yeah, I mean, they've got Luke McKenna, Coming in 2021, that's going to be massive for them as well in their development. Absolutely. And, and if you look at, at Heidelberg West, well, they've won a reserves premiership in 2019, broke the long finals uh, football drought, that, uh, uh, football premiership drought at the club, but they haven't been able to play senior finals footy. I'm sure that's on the agenda. We'll talk to their coach, Michael Misslin, shortly as well to get an, an idea as to how they're tracking heading into the year. But we know one, one thing about Heidelberg West, they've got the, the star player of the competition, Jared Coulson, three-time uh, reigning competition best and fairest winner. We're going to talk about uh, your premiership prediction, but also your best and fairest. But I might start on best and fairest. Can anyone knock Jared Coulson off his perch this Oof, year? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to there's a lot to try and see about that. I'm, I'm not sure. I feel like Mitchell Thompson from um, Lorimer is a great chance of winning. He was the back-to-back MVP winner, so that's going to be a huge get in terms of um, what he can bring to the table. So he might be the one that gives him an opportunity of trying to to, to get him back. I, I think he's a is a, a perfect candidate. When you, when you look at what he's been able to achieve, he's been close up in the best and fairest. He's won the coaches MVP two times. I mentioned Chris Ryle before. He's a young star of the competition. I think if he continues on his trajectory, he can be someone yeah. who can, who can uh, go on and win a competition best and fairest. He's played two seasons of senior football. Uh, prior to joining Kilmore, he won the best and fairest at his former club, which I believe is Caulfield. Comes over to Kilmore and wins it again. So pretty handy start to his uh, senior career. And, and they've got some young talent. Jeremy Topham's another one. So yeah. might be a few pinching votes there, but oh, I do like what I saw from, from Ryle in, in the first season. And a premiership prediction. Hard to go past Lorimer. Still feel like they're an opportunity to, to win. I'll talk about South Morang as well. I don't know if they're going to get there, South Morang. I, I feel like it, this is the chance for Lorimer to really take their game up a level and, and get that premiership. Yeah, I think so too. I think based on what we saw of 2019, if we can use that, there's still a lot of great talent on that list. Um, you talk about Thompson there who can who can lead the way. Uh, Josh Williamson was having an outstanding oh, yes. 2019. Uh, yeah, injury stopped his season at about round eight, which I think if he had hung around, uh, you know, if his body had held up, that it might have been a different story come season's end. He can be the, uh, the real X factor and match winner and a player who could really take the competition by the scruff of the neck. Um, you talk about you know, if he plays forward predominantly, could be the leading goal kicker as well. So I think the other side for mine, I think it's a very even competition. I think yep. you can throw a blanket over a few sides. But I think Lorimer, given what they produced in, in 2019, I know South Morang went on to play in the grand final, have lost some talent out of that side, South Morang, unfortunately, which have gone to higher levels. So we'll, uh, we'll soon find out, Nicholas. Could and, be a uh, few surprises. We're back out at uh, calling games on Saturday, but the round itself starts yep. on Friday night. Two matches under lights, Northcote Park, 
hosting Montmorency in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1, and then Heidelberg West and Old Eltham Collegians under lights at Heidelberg Park. Uh, for all the fixtures and uh, and uh, whatnot, uh, match times, head to the NFNL website. We're looking forward to that. Obviously, senior women's football starts on Saturday afternoon as well and runs through Sunday. Nick, thanks for your time. We look forward to hearing your uh, call on the broadcast on Saturday. We'll be out at Shelley Reserve, North Heidelberg, taking on McLeod. Cheers, Samuel. Looking forward to it. Uh, and uh, thanks for your time. We'll speak, see you on Saturday. We'll go to a short break. On the other side of this, we'll have a chat with the coach of the Heidelberg West Football Club, Michael Misson. Joining us now is the coach of the Heidelberg West Football Netball Club, Michael Misson. His side starting the season off on a Friday night when they host Old Eltham Collegians. Michael, thank you for your time. Obviously, it's been a long wait until we uh, get to the start of the new season, given what's gone on in the past 18 months. But what's the general feeling like around the club ahead of a, a big game on a Friday night? Uh, g'day, Sam. Yeah, the boys are just really, really excited to get stuck into it at this stage. Um, you know, for our group, you know, we've sort of had a pretty pretty good sort of period without footy. Obviously, with COVID, we've got a really tight group of blokes and um, they stayed pretty, pretty well connected during that time. So now they're just really, really keen to, to get back into it. It's obviously been, uh, you've, you've been someone involved in the club for, for quite some time. Obviously, there's been a, a gradual build over recent years, um, I guess in more recent times and, and on the most recent day that the club's had football, you, you enjoyed one of the great successes with the, the reserves lifting the premiership and, and breaking a long premiership drought for the club. But on a senior front, I guess the, uh, there's a real ambition now to, to take things further and I guess break that finals duck and, and potentially uh, go further from there. Yeah, definitely. Like personally, um, I try not to look too too far back into the past because you can get caught on what what things were like rather than what they can be like. So, um, yeah, for me and the the group itself, we're really just really driven to to break that sort of that hoodoo and get the monkey off the back, so to speak. But um, we certainly haven't set any ceiling about what we want to try and achieve going forward. We're just going to continually, you know, take it week by week and improve and grow and and just basically become a team that you know week in, week out, fronts up and, you know, you know, puts their best foot forward every week rather than just relying on uh, what magnets we have to choose from, which I think in the past we've probably got caught up with, you know, who's playing and who isn't playing at times. So, yeah, we're really, really keen just to get into it now and show where the work we've put in over the last 18 months and just, you know, sort of put some proof out there for everybody to see, hopefully. Do you think, I mean, I mean, a layoff like we've had is not ideal for, for anyone who, who loves the game and it, it's been such a long time. I mean, sometimes just the, the normal six months feels like forever, but to, for it to extend to, to an 18-month period. But given the, the momentum the club's just started to build, build in recent times, um, has that made it, I guess, even even harder for you guys to, I guess, have to, to, to wait and, and bide your time to, to get back out there? Uh, definitely when we think back to, to last year, I think we had we made some pretty big grounds over the 2020 pre-season. And, you know, we had some really exciting form in the practice matches that we got. Um, so the guys were just really devastated. But if anything, that probably gave us um, that motivation to sort of to work during the, you know, the down period when the guys are on their own and, um, you know, probably struggling for motivation. They sort of could always fall back onto footy for that to sort of happen. And then um, heading into this pre-season, as soon as we're allowed to get back, you know, we've had a pretty good response from everybody. They've all sort of presented in pretty good shape and, you know, motivation hasn't sort of really been a problem for any of our group at all. As a as a game as as a whole coming up, obviously it's it's a big one for the club. Uh, I guess for, in terms of Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three, a standalone start under lights against Old Altham Collegians. It's it's obviously a big occasion for the club and an exciting time, marking perhaps a, a new era, but uh, certainly a, a big one unveiling uh, the new lights and and hopefully getting a big crowd out there. Yeah, well, that's what we hope. We really hope that we can get a big crowd out there and, you know, obviously not just our supporters get out there, but supporters from other 
other clubs and you know the teams that are playing on the Saturday come and have a look and and really just have a look about what we're about because we think we're a pretty inviting club and um, yeah we just really want people to get around it and you know enjoy footy back and, and bring that community feel back to the club. With um, you've, you've been involved in the in the club for, for quite some time. Obviously, um, you know there, there were some struggles for, for a while there, where you know wins were certainly hard to come by. But just uh, in in your opinion, having been uh, closely involved, I mean, what's been the, the catalyst to to I guess for change and, and to, to drive the club forward to a point now where you you go into the season with you know high expectation and and as I said on a, on an occasion where you are now getting there that, those marquee kind of games. I think for you know probably if you go back maybe six or seven years ago, you know, the times were pretty tough, but we sort of bit the bullet and stuck fat with a group of young blokes that were coming out of sort of under-19s footy at the time, like Brad Moore, Kane Moore, you know, Jake Grimshaw, um, Ryan Gall and all these kind of young fellas at the time. And at the end of the day, they've got to play footy to, to sort of grow and improve. So, you know, those blokes now are sort of like in their mid-20s and they've put those brackets of footy together and sort of, you know, really sort of grown and developed as a group. So... We're slowly built on the back of that, and generally from there, with improved performances, you've been able to uh, bring a few more guys um, along for the ride. You know, friends of friends or blokes have been able to recruit from outside sources, and and that's it. It's their club now, so they've built it, and now it's about being able to show where they've really you know put their foot forward and where they're actually heading. So they're excited about it. I know you mentioned it's it's more about uh, the, the club as a collective rather than individuals, but uh, it's a bit hard for, I guess, an outsider looking in to, to not ask about the, the reigning three-time competition best and fairest winner in Jared Coulson. How's he shaping ahead of the new campaign? Yeah, we get asked a fair bit about Jared, but that, that, that comes with the territory. When you win three uh, league best and fairest, you know, that's going to happen all the time. And, you know, personally, I'm just really excited to be able to, to have him, you know, like he's just a great bloke and... He's a great club person and he loves the group of boys and you know he's certainly if you've ever met him he's certainly one of the most humble sort of people you come across so um you know looking forward he's really excited we're really excited um one of the big things we're sort of trying to implement is uh not relying as heavily on him and a few other players of his sort of quality so um one of the big things is you know jared will probably play a few different roles this year he'll still spend you know majority of the time in the ruck but yeah, we, we really want to lessen the burden on him so that he doesn't get burned out so that when the back end of the year comes along, he's playing his very best footy when it counts. And you've certainly added to, to your depth. You've uh, obviously increased your, your top line, which in turn helps depth, but depth rather. But uh, players like you know, Jake Chiminello, Alan Young, Lloyd Tofflin, uh, Alex Highwood and, and Sam McDowell will certainly uh, complement uh, the mix you already have in there. Yeah, those boys have been first class, actually, since we've been able to get them across. Um, you know, Alan Young and Lloyd Tofflin really, you know, set the standard for his pre-season in 2020. They've carried that across since um, Alex Highwood, same boat. You know, they've come from, you know, higher levels of football, first division football clubs, and um, they've been really able to sort of, you know, help our younger guys develop, and they're really great people, and that's probably the most important thing that, you know, I've always looked for is when we recruit is we try and make sure that we bring good people because we feel like um, good people bring more good people and good behaviour sort of becomes contagious. So those blokes have been absolutely outstanding for us. And Ben Kennan and Dan Offer named as, as co-captain. What sets them apart from the group and, and as, as a players you want leading the club going forward? Oh, they just It's just really their behaviours. They just really um, set the example of what we, we want to stand for, like on-field and off-field. You know, they care about the club, care about being a great teammate. And they're always driven to always get better and better every week and help their teammates get better. And, you know, we can't ask for much more than that. And then we uh, we put it to the boys and we let them choose who they want to be represented by. And that's the vote they come up with. So, 
you know, from my perspective, I'm really excited for it and really happy for those two boys and obviously the playing group as well. And on a personal note, obviously you go into your first game as coach. It's been a long time coming, given the, the weight you've had to endure. But uh, what's the, the overriding feeling going into that first game? But And also, if I can ask, just going back, how have you found the experience to this point in time? Oh, I'm just really excited to really just get it moving now. Like It feels like it's been you know, an 18-month pre-season, so... You know, now we just want to play and just get the rhythm of the season up and about, you know, week to week rather than sort of, you know, have that sort of monkey over the shoulders of will we get a season? When will the season happen? Will something come up? When's the next thing going to happen? When's the next outbreak? All that sort of stuff. All those things you can't really control. Whereas what we can control is basically, you know, that week to week, you know, train and Tuesday, prepare, set ourselves, get our, get our, get our preparation right. Um, from from the, the build-up perspective, I feel like uh, personally, like I probably was fortunate enough sort of have a pretty good example of what was going to be like to, to lead into senior coaching. I've had roles, you know, obviously reserves for, you know, for three years, but you know, I've held um, executive committee roles, vice president and secretary and a little bit of time as a footy manager. So I feel like those experiences have certainly helped me leading into the, to the bigger picture. So um, yeah, I think that just all builds up for me. Well, uh, we really appreciate your time. Of, uh, certainly best of luck going into not only this week's game, but uh, throughout the, the season ahead. It's been uh, great to see the club building up upwards and, uh, and onwards, and, and hopefully there's some, some big things in store for Heidelberg West this year. Uh, thank you very much for your time, Samuel.